Hello and welcome to Unframed, conversations about the arts on CFCR 90.5 FM in Saskatoon and streaming live around the world at cfcr.ca. I'm your host, Michael Peterson. In the studio with me today are Barbara Reimer, Stephanie Norris, and Carla Griffin, whose show Resolution is being held at Paved with an opening this Friday from 8 to 11 p.m. Thank you all for joining me. Thank you for having us. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Since I've got all three of you here, why don't we start by talking a little bit about how this show came together. It developed a little while ago, and it's been a bit of a year-long process of sort of waiting and then developing the show. Approximately two years ago this coming summer, the three of us participated in a workshop led by Andrew John Milne, who was one of the visiting artists at Paved Arts Production Centre. And we worked with him building small camera obscuras, box cameras, through a two-day workshop. And that's where I think the show kind of bred out of. And to my understanding, you hadn't been planning the show previously, but had all taken this workshop and then sort of started developing it after? Yeah, David Riviere approached us after the workshop, I think, because we had worked well together during the workshop. And then our work also kind of individually has a good conversation with each other as we're all working with film and we're all working in photography, I guess. The show has been more a show of individual works than like collaborative works that were produced for this exhibition. So they're building out of your existing practices if that's correct, other than the billboard. Yeah, so we worked on the billboard together as a collaborative piece, but then the actual show is individual works by us, just shown together. What's that process been like then? Has, have you been building toward this in your own practices for a little while, or has it been something that you were sort of prepared for and you know, sort of been waiting for the show to open? I can't speak for each of us, but I think that we, through conversations with David, the curator, we were encouraged to possibly try new things, not be kind of held back because the exhibition is in collaboration with the Prairie Light Photography Festival. I can only speak for myself that I tried to think about things in a different way and I'd also tried to work related a little bit more to the workshop. So for my personal work, I tried to think about perspective and not placing but inviting viewers to think about the position of maybe the photographer in relationship to the photographic image. So almost the the three-dimensional and the experience of actually photographing to the two-dimensional result on the wall. So mine's a little bit more interactive in hopes, but it's not as though I was necessarily working that way without this process in my previous works. Well, I guess mine is the most, probably the most that's been kind of like a development along the way because my finding a green photo project was a lot to do with the process. So I kind of Again, then I went and I had previously, like when we started this process, I was working with um, Clint Neufeld in the CARFAC mentorship program. So I was kind of working outside my regular practice. And then the images that are in this show kind of bring those two together, kind of in a kind of a more leaning towards the processes of photography, kind of going along with what um, the kind of more the mandate of the Prairie Light Festival was going. So I guess in the same way that Carla was saying that she created work for this show. I mean, I did that in a sense too. But, but it's still paying attention to our previous bodies of works or how we've worked in the past. Yeah, I see mine as like supporting the the, uh, the project I was working on last year um, with AKA and or being a continuation of the Finding a Green Photo project. I think for mine, I've been kind of working in the same process and on the same, along the same themes for the last few years. And I just kind of carried on because I've been working a lot with just being in Saskatchewan because I'm new 
to Saskatchewan, so it was kind of in my psyche anyway. But being involved in the show has pushed me to make finished work and make like a body of work for the show. Since this is building out of your practices, maybe we could take a few moments and talk about each of them individually. Carla, you've had a few shows in fairly recent times in Saskatoon. I'm thinking back to Francis Morrison Library, or even, though it wasn't a photo show, some of your BFA work. But I guess the... La- the Man Art Gallery and PA. And then the Artist by Artist at the Mendel was photo yep. work as well? Yeah. Okay. So maybe for our listeners, you could provide a bit of that context of what your practice has been looking at in the past few years. Often my work focuses on found objects, found situations. My kind of foyer into photography was rooted in journalism. So taking an image that is a documentation of something that an event that has taken place that you're actually writing about, or in that case, me writing about. So a lot of my work is more rooted in a documentary approach. And with that, I don't necessarily create scenes, stage things. A lot of my work is about found situations or found objects. And mostly it's dealing with the banal, very seemingly boring or non-exciting. But I'm trying to think about it or invite individuals to think about the world that they interact with around them in a different way. That sometimes those overlooked scenes can be a little bit more beautiful or possibly poetic in regards to, instead of writing about the image, it is the image itself or the situation itself. So this work in this exhibition is building off of, as I mentioned before, Andrew John's Milne work, where outside of the workshops themselves, I actually got to accompany Andrew while he was setting up paper. So he sets up a photographic paper, black and white paper, mural size, in his large bellows camera. And I actually got to go inside the camera and help him set it up. So you're actually inside of a camera that is about to register a scene that takes a little while and you're all in that process. And so I started to think about how people would interact with my work and how do they interact with my work now. So two of my photographs in this exhibition, there are three images, actually have some type of device that is three-dimensional. So one is a staircase and the other aspect is just a one inch thick board that the image is mounted on and it just leans on the wall precariously. So I'm inviting people to actually come to the position of the photographer, how they shot the work, the position in which they shot the work. So the stairs are supposed to be the height of the back of my pickup truck, but because of the limitations of the gallery, I had to scale it back a bit so you're not actually at your height because you'd hit your head and it was already getting close (laughs) to the ceiling trusses. Just trying to think about things in a different way. So to go back to your previous question, the work has kind of come about in a progression. So I'm still photographing the same types of things that I'm interested in. I still use a medium format camera with slide film. I still do all of those things. But because of the experiences with both Stephanie and Barb and the experiences with Andrew John Milne, I've thought about things in a different way in relationship to this specific exhibition. So I'm not quite sure what's going to happen in the future, but it's kind of exciting. And just to build off a bit of what you were talking about, when you're thinking of that journalistic approach and describing a story so this is like as you say describing that story but without the text but still very context specific then so it is a specific place in a specific time that you're photographing well all photographs are a specific place in a specific time sure so do we actually think about that that becomes part of the meaning of the work in a way that it you know where some people may try to erase that or may try to ignore it and a lot of it's about perspective right, right. so often we're in art school and we're thinking about composition and 
how, where we're actually standing and what, what's happening, like rules of thirds and all this stuff. But you actually think about the position in which the object that you're photographing is in. Do you think about your position, your relationship to it, the moment that you actually choose to depress the shutter? I don't know. So I just started thinking about those things a little bit more and slowing things down a little bit. But also then too, as you say, with those photographs, when you're taking it out of context or when you're forgetting the time or trying to forget the time at which it was taken, it's also somewhat of a forgetting of the photographer or could be, whereas this is almost like, you know, it's preserving your space. Yeah. And the thing that's really interesting is, especially I have one image with the staircase, people who are in the gallery will then be watching the individual looking at the image. So unlike a normal gallery space, when we kind of become oblivious to the people around us, right? We're looking at the work where it almost becomes a small performance of the individual because only one person can climb up those stairs at a time. They're only wide enough for one. Okay. They then are being watched by all of the people around them, which is the same situation that often happens with a photographer out in the world. You don't always see the photographer working in their studio, right? But as soon as they step outside of that space and they're photographing in the world around you, I know that I've been in a position, even for this one photograph, out in the middle of nowhere in Saskatchewan, a random truck drives by, stops, and they're like, what are you guys doing there? Oh, you guys taking some photos? You guys filming? Right, so it's the same type of thing that's gonna potentially happen in the gallery, except it's not just a random truck. It's a controlled situation, a controlled space white-walled gallery cube, mm -hmm. but at the same time, everybody else almost becomes a viewer of the viewer. And so the... I find that really interesting. And I had never really thought about things like that before because all because I stepped into Andrew John Smilde's camera. If, for me, I find that interesting. And, and somehow in a similar way in which you were involved in the making of a photograph there, these viewers are becoming involved in a more embodied way than, you know. That's right, because in order for the work to continue to be shown or whatnot, there has to be interaction. Somebody other than me has to kind of like it. Well, let's take that moment here and move. Barb, why don't we talk a bit about the finding a green photo and some of your history. You've been on the show before. This is a few years back with Bart. And so I think it might be a good refresher to take a bit of that step back and maybe start by talking about the finding a green photo project and how that came about and some of the themes that are running through that. I traveled to Nicaragua to photograph garbage, in a sense, again with a documentary style, with an old refurbished camera. I was shooting with a twin lens reflex camera. So um, what's a twin lens reflex camera for those of us who uh, know? It, it has two lenses. It has one lens for viewing, that you're viewing through and focusing through, and then the one, then it has another lens that shoots, okay. that the, the film is exposed by. So you were down there with this camera? So I was down there with this like art camera. And I'd been shooting for a while and developing in, in coffee. I'm replacing the developer with a coffee solution for a while leading up to that. And I was mostly doing it out of a response to my digital kind of life. Because I think that a lot of people tend to forget that I have this huge digital background. When I start talking about the processes of photography and film photography, like when I started in photo, I was in high school and it was only film, like digital wasn't, didn't really exist. We had some digital and I had learned Photoshop version one in high school. And then I think by then it was version two and I had photo styler on my home computer. And then I went to work in the commercial industry and I was working a lot of hours, like logging a lot of hours in front of the computer by the time, you know, fast forward 10 years, by the time I came back to uh, A, get my degree, 
my BFA and then B, start the Finding a Green Photo project. So it's really a response to that. But I also was kind of responding to the idea. Digital was usurping and usurping the ephemeralness that we used to talk about photography with. Because with developing with the coffee, I was really like making photography about the object again. So I mean, like I don't, like I want the, uh, the aberrations that happen when you screw up a roll of film. Or, you know, I mean, like I got to the point where I was, I was getting really clean negatives and I was kind of, you know, geeking out over that. But yet again, I still wanted to do that. And I remember conversations I used to have about the Finding a Green Photo project and why do it on film and why develop in coffee when you can do it, you know, people that knew me knew I could do it in digital and make it look that way. But I like the photography. I mean, I like using film because it does slow me down. Since then, when I went to... Iceland, I took a Mamiya RB camera, which is a big behemoth of a camera. And I was wandering around Iceland carrying this camera and I couldn't carry my tripod um, because it made my suitcase too heavy for the flight. So I left it at home. So I just, I handheld mostly everything and I developed on site. I also brought a darkroom with me. I was, I also did that the second time I went to Nicaragua. I started bringing darkroom stuff with me um, and develop on the site. And that's kind of why I started developing in coffee because a, it's available. B, it's easy to dispose of. So you were talking about the ephemeral nature mm-hmm. of photography and how you felt that digital was usurping this. So was part of the Finding a Green Photo about bringing some of the materiality and process back into the work? For sure. I mean, like that's, yeah, that was where I was going with that. Because that's where it's kind of gotten to. Because as I change, I'm getting bigger and bigger cameras. Right. Because um, now like this work that's at PAVED is shot on an 8x10 camera. So you're meaning the negative itself is 8 by 10 inches? 8 by 10 inches, yeah. Right. The negative. So it's a, it's a real behemoth of a camera as well. So it takes about, you know, half an hour to set up. For one um, photo. For one photo. So I also get stopped on the street when I'm doing it because I've started like I'm interested in taking it out and and bringing it where I used to bring like small handheld cameras and do street photography with it so that's kind of where I'm going to with this work but it's not quite there because I I photographed on the farm or on Clint's farm there were people on the farm who came and saw me photographing and they're like what are you doing here I'm going like you're in my shot I just spent (laughs) half an hour setting up the shot it's going back to like making that object and uh, I what I prefer to do is like make prints and then scan the prints to enlarge. But So when you were in Nicaragua, you were photographing garbage dumps, but also mm-hmm. coffee farms, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, I had three things I photographed in Nicaragua. The garbage dump La Chereca, uh, that was in finding the first finding city right. that we were involved this in. This was the largest open air dump? It was the largest open air dump that still existed in Central America at that time. And right. it was being covered over like as we handle landfills here in the north. So there was a whole community of people that were losing their livelihoods and or land. They were supposedly supposed to be, because they own their land. It's abject poverty. It's the poor of the poor of Nicaragua, but they own their land. They own their houses. So the government was telling them that they were going to relocate them. And then there was the coffee farms? The coffee farms and then the earth ship. And the title of the show, The Green Photo, this... Mm -hmm doesn't necessarily reference an ecological perspective or like, like it does. I mean like it does but the green man I mean like it's sorry the green references the green man um, because when I started doing the coffee developing I was studying the burning man festival and that year was the green man was the theme for it so I was kind of more thinking of different ways that I could bring photography to that festival and I know it's already been done but 
uh, bringing photography to that festival. And uh, that was my project, was that I was, I decided I was going to develop in in coffee. And so, if you don't mind, The Green Man then, can you give a bit of a background of what that references? Uh, the Green Man is an archetype that exists across multiple countries, multiple eras, and kind of independently of each other. It's not something that, you know, you see happening in ancient Rome that went to Greece, that went to, you know, that, that moved on through art history. It's kind of something that he pops up in churches. He pops up in, in garden art. He pops up in Australia, and mostly he's in, there's a lot of green man in Scotland and England. He's got um, a foliate head, generally. He's either speaking leaves, or he's like, he's, the face is um, kind of made up of leaves. He's kind of speaking for nature. He was named in 1968, 64. In the 60s, but before that, he just kind of existed. He shows up on the friezes of ancient times. So he has this history of like not, nobody really knows why he exists. And then he, but he also, like he speaks for nature, like they kind of have given him that, but he also is kind of like an inspiration for artists to keep going. So then just to bring this to the current show at PAVE, sort of what can viewers expect to see and where did that body of work build from? Well, the work is um, large format prints, two different views of basically my car, but because I have been working with the whole idea of the aging of a car and the history that the car has over a period of time or its lifetime, I was playing with titles and more kind of playing with the idea of you put the word on the on the wall and then people think a certain thing about it. It's almost like Carla's perspective in a way, um, but I'm using words. Framing the work, sense. though, all the same and yeah, framing that experience. I tie it back to the finding a green photo is a lot because of the process and a lot because of that veil that I'm throwing up to make an object out of the photos. They're large format, they're developed in coffee, and they're of my dirty old car, so they're kind of anti-green man photos. Great. On that note, Stephanie, if it's all right, let's bring you into this conversation. My own history with Carla and Barb goes back a few years to the times at the U of S when Carlo was teaching there, and Barb, you're still the uh, photo tech there. If you don't mind, for our listeners who may not be too familiar with your work, do you mind describing, you know, your, sort of where this body of work's coming from and what your practice sure. has been? So my practice is based in the darkroom. So I don't use a camera. I don't use negatives. I just use the darkroom process to create prints. Okay. So it's more like printmaking using the photographic process. Although, as Carla said, all photography is printmaking. You know, it's all it's semantics. Fair. It depends how you look at it, but... It's quite abstract, the work that I do. How have you developed this process? Because, I mean, I, I remember taking first year photography, and that was one of the processes introduced, but mm-hmm. there aren't too many photographers working in a purely darkroom-based mm-hmm. practice. I guess I've been working this way for about 10 years now, and I got really interested in it. I really enjoy it because I really have always been fascinated by the kind of the way that photography like these guys were talking about how it's like a document. It's a documentary process, so it represents something. Usually it represents something. It's a picture of a car. You see it's a car. So then how can you subvert that and use it to kind of trick people? So like spirit photography, those really funny pictures of people's auras or like plants' auras, you know, that people really believe are these kind of magical things when actually it's just a darkroom process. So I kind of 
started working in the darkroom thinking about that like how can you work with something that seems so representational but then make it kind of mystical and magical and really weird now the subject's almost entirely gone in that you're working just with the process not yeah. with the start of a photo yeah. i kind of approach it as like it's like a fake science project so it's like i set up parameters so these are the rules and then i'll have one variable and then i'll work with that until it's exhausted so i usually produce like hundreds of pieces with that one variable and then just choose like one if that is quite wasteful <laughs> Well, it's a process. It's yeah. a part of that artistic process. Yeah. But can so you give like it... someone would take hundreds of photos, I'll take hundreds of prints. Can you give us an example of what that variable might be or one of those might be? Um, so like one of them that is used in the pieces in the show is ice. Okay. So I'll start with a frozen piece of ice and then as the day goes by, obviously it will melt. And so it's working with that. So every piece is going to be completely different because that variable is changing by the second. And so how much of that object remains in the image? I'm sure it changes depending on the photo, but can, is it not recognizable? Okay. No, not really. <laughs> so it's starting from that process and, and still having that connection for the viewer, but the actual object itself becomes abstracted. Yeah. Okay. And there are some recognizable elements in my work. So one of the non-variables might be in some of the pieces I have in the show, it's like a map of the stars. So that's like one of the basis of the images, but then the variable might be the ice. So there's a few different elements to the images going on. And some of them are recognizable, but usually they're not. Bringing together different processes, bringing together different elements, but mm -hmm. then really choosing images in the end based on their aesthetic, based on their visual or based mm -hmm. on, okay. Well, you should, like, what I'll bring together as the non-variables will be along the theme that I'm working right. in. So for this body of work, the theme was Saskatchewan galaxy. So a lot of the images are to do with like how I feel about the prairies, how they look, like aerial photography of the prairies, but also um, like very minute close-up details like ice, like things like that, or soil. So it's, and it, a lot of it is about scale. Like the prairies are so huge and empty and you can look at it and just see white. So it could be huge or it could be nothing. Right. So thinking about scale with those things. Well, and what has that process been like then moving from England, if I'm mm -hmm. correct? Yeah. To well, or China. <laughs> okay. It, originally England. Okay. And then moving to some place that is so non-populated or so mm -hmm. empty and where you can see those skies mm -hmm. and those stars that you're yeah. talking about. Has that been part of the sort of what the work built out of with some of that response? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah, it's, I mean, I've moved a lot, but I've never lived anywhere that looks like this. It's very beautiful and very inspiring, I think. I think for some people it's the, the kind of vastness of it and the emptiness of it is kind of intimidating or it's a bit harsh, like it's a bit brutal. But to me, I just think it's really beautiful. Like I like the minimalism of it. And then also acting as a reflector back to people who've lived here as a reminder of mm -hmm. what someone might, you know, take for granted growing up with this every mm -hmm. day. Like Bob and Carla's work in the show, it is obviously the prairies. Like their photos of farms and coyotes. And to me, it's like, that's what I think of. Whereas I think mine is more, it's more like an emotional response. It's not documentary 
in right. the same way. Still but talking still about the, the experience, theme. but yeah. in a different way. Interesting. Well, and still working with a very physical process mm-hmm. in terms of the making, sort of as Carla and Barb, you're talking about in terms of the processes and the camera obscura that sort of started this project in that workshop. Mm-hmm. Well, let's just bring this back together for a moment in terms of the show itself. So as I said, the reception will be taking place this Friday from 8 to 11 at Paved. There's also a number of other receptions in the area. Good night for an art walk. Will be receptions at AKA, at BAM, at Void, and Storefront will also be open showing Dave Geary's show. Lots going on, a good excuse to come out and see a number of shows that evening. And then the following day at 4 p.m., so that's the Saturday, you'll be part of a panel discussion. Well, and let's just mention that billboard before we go, because that was the one collaborative piece that was in the show, was this billboard, which features images of all three of your works. Yeah, the structure of the image itself came from a history of color photography and process book. And we all agreed that we liked the simplicity of it and how the culmination of the dots and when they get close together, they do start to formulate a straight line and that the eye cannot, well, can no longer discern the dots from a line Hmm. based on how close they're spaced. So we played around with our own imagery throughout pretty much our whole lives. We just used our own documentary work, family photos, a little bit of color based collage material from magazines but other than that it's all our own stuff that we kind of threw into a heap and worked it out so we used a very hands-on process-based approach like stephanie's work we tried to integrate some of mine and barb's approaches to it but we also tried to kind of reference a little bit of the history of photography and a little bit of collage and going back to some of those early photo makers who would sometimes cut up their negatives and piece together 50, 60, 70 images to create one image, but those were negatives. Where here, we actually used sometimes scans or duplicates of one photo. Some of the images that we used of Barb's were one-ups. They were a, a direct print and that was all she had. So it's kind of interesting that the pieces themselves represent all aspects of art making and there are different resolutions based on the papers that we used you can see like the the silver clumping in the black and whites you can see the different speed in terms of the grain in some of the color photographs so none of the actual quote unquote air quoting now resolutions match up right and it's kind of like trying to work it through just the way that each of the three of us work through our own processes and that's kind of what this I don't know, piece is all about. Yeah, and then I would just add about the scale. When we blow it up to the billboard, right, you add another set of resolution when you do that because then you're looking at, like, huge dots. If you go up close, if you go on, the, if you go on that walkway, you'll be able to see more of that process. Right, but sort of like the dots blending into the line, these dots still blend into an image and are indiscernible once you're any distance away. So. Mm-hmm. Well, let's end on that note, and thank you all again for coming on the show. Again, the reception is Friday. The panel discussion, the conversation is on Saturday. My name is Michael. You've been listening to Unframed, conversations about the arts on CFCR 90.5 FM. A reminder, you can always comment about the show. Find us afterward on social media. or on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as Unframed Radio. And you can listen to this or any past episode on our podcast. Just search us on iTunes or go to unframedradio.com. Thank you and have a good evening.